0: Hey, you're listening to the Timmy Riggs Podcast, Life in the Meantime. I am so thankful that you have decided to jump on and listen today with the goal of us becoming more healthy, more whole individuals so we can build a healthier whole world. Today, I'm excited. It's one of my really good friends. We just met about a year ago, but it's Pastor Dan Rodriguez. He's the discipleship pastor at my church, Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. He is one of the most genuine, authentic people that I know, and he truly desires that people become more healthy and more whole and ultimately find a life in Christ. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy, and if so, it would be awesome if you're willing to share this podcast with your friends uh, as we go. So let's jump into it. All right, well, hey, Dan, thanks uh, so much for jumping on. Yeah, man, glad to be here. Hey, well, Dan's on here with me, and Dan has become a quick friend. You are a pastor, and I said all this in the intro, but uh, you're Have been here for almost a year now in OKC, and um, so I got to work with you a little bit. You're the pastor at my church where I attend, but also where I was... In a role for a while. Um, I'm having Dan on today because I'm talking about in the meantime, obviously, and I believe there's those six components. I'll go through them real fast. Your spiritual life, your physical life, your uh, relational life, your mental life, your vocation, and your finances, right? Those six things I think basically cover all of our lives. And so today I want to hone in on on maybe all of them, but just these three specifically spiritual, relational, and uh, vocational, you know? And so real quick as we get started, can you tell us a little bit about, before we even talk about what you do, can we talk about your why? What wakes you up in the morning and gets you excited? And and maybe even a little background on how you developed that.
1: Yeah. So my why, I mean, I think it first starts immediately with just my outlook on life, my worldview. Um, I start first and foremost, just believing that the kingdom of God is breaking into this world. So my why is I I feel like there's a part to play in that. I feel like there's a way in which we can partner with God in that. So my why why I get up in the morning is I just want to help people become alerted to God's rule and reign in this world, despite what everything says to the contrary. I, I believe it's true. And, um, and so I think what can I do on a daily basis, monthly basis, yearly basis to help people begin to discover and kind of become alerted to that and then find their, part to play in it, because I think there, everyone has a part to play in that. And so um, that's really what I would say drives me, gets me passionate, um, gets me up in the morning. And I think it really kind of starts back to I was kind of raised in the church, but at the same time, had a foot outside the church. Um, I'm the product of a ministry where the church had to come to me and get me. Um, I was not going to easily darken the front door of a church building unless the church came to me. And so um, my passion is really for those that are outside the church that won't easily darken the front door of a church building. And how can we help them to become alerted to the good news that God is restoring this world when it seems like everything says that that's not true or there's something to the contrary of it. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's really my why.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So that's kind of like what my desire for in the meantime is to be able to talk about the practical things that we all go through in life. But with the anchor with the source being like, hey, we're connected to creator. So something I've been thinking a lot about, and I think it'll matter as we continue on this conversation, is we are in a uh, culture that is about identity, right? Uh, I think for years, and Tim Keller talks about this, um, that for years it was easy to get people to come to church because the cultural expectation was you are to be a good person. So that was a cultural expectation. So as people look around and think, how do I do that? One of the ways was, well, I can go to church, and that's going to make me a good person, right? We moved away from that, he says, kind of in the early 90s, and we moved to this place of uh, be true to yourself. The the, the goal of life is to be true to yourself. And now we are seeing yet another kind of catalyst into it's not even about that. It's you get to decide who you want to be. That is exhausting, he explains, because what happens is we create identity based on achievement, And eventually you uh, will let yourself down. I will let myself down trying to be someone that I'm trying to portray. Also, within whatever group you've found your identity, there is going to be a slip up, something you either disagree a little bit or you and he used some political examples. Right. Uh, You're just a little bit outside of that box. Then you are going to be outcasted because now you haven't achieved the level of identity that was expected of you. And he talks about Christianity is a received identity. So, and that's even such the difference between all religions, of course, we talk about. But uh, in that is this place of we have a creator. What does his reign look like that Paul tells us? It's about righteousness, peace, and joy. So that's what his domain looks like. We have a creator who created us in his image. So therefore, we should be a part of his domain, right? And we see that Jesus kind of is... bringing us back into uh, that kingdom. And therefore, I think the bottom line, the search for identity in all of that comes down to we're actually wanting and desiring those emotional states of peace and joy that come with God's reign. So why do I want to collect more things, have more accomplishments, have more money, have more friends? Well, I'm really searching for peace and joy. So we get to receive those emotions just because we recognize, oh, that's who I am in Christ. So when you talk about bringing in God's kingdom and showing it to all people, I feel like that's just the best way now and the way we're going to have to continue to talk as we go forward with the church and kind of base it in identity. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean,
1: I wish I had time to kind of think <laughs> and process everything that you just kind of shared, but I, I would say I think... uh For me, when I think about the church and people's involvement with the church, um, I think for a long time we have tried to pander to how the church is relevant, how the church can help you become a better parent, how the church can help you become a better husband or a better spouse, whatever it may be. And so we end up treating whatever the church gives us, uh, whatever the messages of the church as kind of accessories to our life, right? I get to choose what I want to be or who I want to be and what I'm going to do. And we accessorize it with Christian faith instead of actually seeing, well, no, actually everything that I do falls within what God is ultimately doing to restore and bring peace and restoration to this world. I have a part to play in that, but it's not ultimately God being an accessory to my life that's going to help me become and be who I want to be. But first and foremost, what is it that God desires for me that I can participate with him in bring about the restoration of all things, right? So... Um, that's probably just a repeating of what you just said, but just, uh,
0: both two different perspectives, two different voices. Yeah. That's what it's all about.
1: But that's where I think the church has been for a long time is trying to be a practical help to you in whatever path you choose. And in the last two years, as that has all been disrupted as there was very little gathering or it was difficult to gather and people were maybe afraid to return. I think a lot of people have looked at their own lives and said, Well, practically, I'm the same person I was before I was gathering with the church. Do I still need it? Mm -hmm. And that's where I think we have to begin to talk about it's beyond the church, beyond just the uh, equipping of practical insight. But there is something bigger
0: here that God is doing in the restoration of all things. Yeah, that's really good. So it's not just about improving portions of our life. Right. It is stepping in into an entirely new life. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's really good. So let's talk about, you just preached a really good sermon at, uh, at BFC here. I will put that sermon in the show notes. I encourage you to listen to it. Uh, very thoughtful, very uh, challenging and encouraging. And one of the things that you touch on is Job, the chaos that happens in Job's life. It's a, t- a story in the Old Testament where it just seems like, Even if you're a good person, um, or or I'm sorry, actually, it's good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. So God rewards and orders his world through reward and retribution. And so you kind of touch on that, and I think that's another thing that's really important for people that maybe are unbelievers or outside of it. They're like, look, I don't need that. I've tried that, and I'm the same person without it. So what's the point? I think a lot of times it comes down to like, look at the chaos around us. If there's a loving God, how could you think that there would still be so much chaos, you know? So talk to us just a little bit. I have a couple of notes on it, but I'd love to hear kind of, again, just a, a quick uh, summary of your sermon.
1: Yeah. I think most people approach Job's story and they are trying to figure out, you know, why does bad thing, why do bad things happen to good people? And I think it's because whether you're a believer or not, and I, I mentioned this where you don't even have to be a believer to approach Job's story and to wrestle with that story. Um, I, I think the reason why we empathize with the story so much is because for some reason we all want the world to be ordered with reward and retribution, that if I do what is good... God will give me a blessing. If I do what's bad, then I can expect to have some kind of retribution.
0: Well, look how like hot karma has been. Yeah. It kind of slowed down, but and, it was real big for a while.
1: And, and we want that because it's easy then to order our own world. It's easy to make sense of things. So we want it to be ordered that way because it makes sense of a very confusing world. But when you read the story of Job, that is not the reality. And when we are tempted to read this story and ask, well, how come bad things happen to good people? You get to the end of the story and you realize god is not at all interested even in answering that question you don't even get an answer to that question throughout the book and really the book is one in which it's really questioning what what we hope the world would be ordered by reward and retribution it really questions whether or not that's true and in the end it's helping us to ask the question well if that's not true then what can we hold on to what can we hang our hat on at the end of the day what can we be assured of And when Job, or sorry, when God holds up this like mythical monster, this creature of chaos called Leviathan, he's really inviting Job to see that you can still trust in me in spite of there being chaos in the world. And even if Job had received an answer as to why all of this was happening, it wouldn't change the fact that it still happened. It wouldn't bring his kids back. It wouldn't restore his family, his wealth, his prosperity. It wouldn't do any of that. So we sometimes try to search for the answer as to why something is happening to us. And in reality, we need someone to sustain us through it. And so at the end of the book of Job, that's what I think is what we discover is that God was there all along. And, you know, you can fast forward in, the, in scripture and get to the crucifixion of Christ. And if you read through Job through the suffering of God then you can actually come to understand that we don't have a God that's far off and removed that we would question, you know, well, how come if you're in control, how come all these bad things are happening? We have a God who enters into the chaos with us. We have a God who has tasted death. He has tasted suffering. Um, But we live in a place right now in the meantime, before we get to experience our resurrection, we have a promise of that. But in the meantime, we have to lean into some of this, the messiness of pain and suffering. We have to lean into how that disrupts us. We have to lean into the questions and the doubts. We have to sit with that for a reason. And I think it's to help us get to a point where our faith ultimately isn't relying upon whether or not our world is ordered with reward and retribution, but it's built upon a trust that God is who he says he is and he can restore and redeem what he chooses to restore and redeem. And, uh, so ultimately, I think that's where the story of Job leads us and where we should get to. Instead of trying to make sense of everything, I think we need to sit in some of that mystery and to discover a faith that's beyond all of that.
0: That's really good. So I like the um, sitting in the I was getting my hair cut today, and I was talking to the barber about Jesus. He just asked what I do and what I've done. and um, And so I was like, you know, at the end of the day, Yeah, there is just mystery. I don't have every answer. Um, I choose to believe this about Jesus, who he is, what he's done, his life, and his just life practices. Like, I want to follow in those footsteps. And then there's a lot of mystery, and I'm just choosing to accept that, you know, because I just think we try to find all the answers. And that's obviously what your sermon was about, too. So um, under that, you know, you touched on it. We have to sit in the pain. I am— Getting more and more like interested in the way in which our culture is viewing pain and operating around it. Um, We have never lived. I would say I, I, you know, there are still people who face terrible things um, in the world, but also just in our own country. So I understand that. But the world is better, I, I believe because i mean i go in my house i flip a light switch on i go and i turn the water faucet like that didn't happen in the 1500s like life was so much harder um and we've been watching a show about some cowboys traveling across the country and you're like ugh, like that looks terrible like the everything they're having to do like i'm exhausted watching the show you know so um, life is definitely easier weirdly it has created another kind of pain that I don't think people have felt before. And that's why we're seeing high levels of anxiety, stress, and depression. And we don't know how to talk about it. And I don't want to just say and we just throw medication at it. Um, but sometimes that is kind of the route we go. And so for me, it's almost like we have created a culture that has become so easy. So these pains that we're feeling now are a little bit more emotional, or a little bit more you know mental. And, and obviously, I believe spiritual. But we want to avoid it. You know, why don't I feel amazing every day? Why don't I constantly, you know, why am I not completely healthy? So, pain is an interesting topic that I'm kind of getting into right now because I don't know if you know who these guys are, but David Goggins, Jocko Willink, they they used to be Navy SEALs. Mm -hmm. And their theme, uh, their brand is like embrace the pain, you know, constantly fight through it. And they're exploding. And I think it's because it is a wanted message. It is a charge that um, people want in their lives. That like, oh, yeah, not everything's perfect all the time. Like, I need to fight through the pain. I need to fight through the stress. On the other side of that is a reward. But there's also two kind of pains. There's the pain of um, kind of just bad habits of – Instant gratification of not doing the thing you should do, and there's that pain. And then there's the pain of I'm working better and it's good disciplines. And it's weird because it kind of takes us off and like it compounds, right? And so what I'm wondering is in Christianity, I I would say it's definitely we want to tell people like, look, we've got the answer, we've got the way, and it, it is an easy yoke, and it is a light burden. Also Jesus tells us to pick up our cross. And so what does living in that pain look like? And I know that was a big context, but like how do we accept it and grow from it, not just martyr ourselves?
1: How so? How do we live in the pain of like embracing the the aspect of carrying our cross?
0: Yeah, Yeah. Just like, what does, and and that's super broad. So like, what does that, what is that pain? What pain comes with it? I'm thinking in terms of, um, the pain of, you know, working hard on your, your marriage, right. Or things like that. Working physically, you know, to make sure you're in a healthy condition, uh, spending the time with your family. And so I, I hate to say like, that's pain, but there are, it's tough sometimes.
1: Yeah. I don't, I think, uh, I wonder if one of the reasons why people are responding to these guys so so strongly right now and the reason why we're willing to kind of like embrace the pain, push through the pain is there's an aspect of like because of the ease and convenience of our life right now, we've almost become numb to a lot of things. And so the aspect of pushing through the pain sometimes is just a way of awakening us to the present reality, like we feel something, right? mm but I also think if we're talking about, you know, what does it look like to embrace the the picking up of our cross? Um I think some of that is just embracing the fact that, you know, in this world and in this life, I'm not going to experience life completely to the, the, the fullest in the sense of like the resurrected reality, the reality of without suffering without any tears without any kind of illness um without any kind of um struggle like that is going to be a mark of this life um and i think for me um we don't embrace it from a a way of like trying to embrace being a martyr you know and, Mm -hmm. and taking great joy in that in that sense i think we we embrace it from a standpoint of if if Christ was willing to embrace this, and if my desire first and foremost is to to be like him, then I want to experience his death as well, that I would be able to also experience his resurrection. I want to experience the dying out to myself that he might increase, right? Um, I think ultimately the goal isn't I want pain. The goal is I want Christ, you know? It's mm. not let me put myself in settings or situations where I could— really suffer, really struggle. Like, I don't think we need to glamorize it, but I think we need to say, where is our focus and what is our desire? And if it requires that there's a dying out to myself, a pouring out of myself that I might receive more of him, then that's what we're embracing, not embracing that, well, I'm just in this struggle of a marriage right now, or I'm just in this struggle of whatever my reality is, and this is my cross to bear, but it is, this is, the shaping of me into the likeness of Christ. And that ultimately is what I want.
0: So really good. And I think that's been part of my struggle mm-hmm. when I think about these guys, because I've thought they're still missing something, right? Like it's not pain for the sake of pain. That's really right. good. So when you talk about the inbreaking kingdom of God, it's still easy to be like, but look at what ha- is happening in Ukraine. Now, again, to bring that back to your sermon, we believe God is there in the midst because he is a God who went to the cross, went to the grave. What does the inbreaking kingdom look like within our pain? And immediately I started thinking about there's a, actually a funeral happening right now here at the church. And I started thinking about Dr. Andy McAime, uh, a man that touched this community in such an incredible way with his spirit and his attitude and his love. And uh, he, he was my dentist. And so I got to actually understand uh, what so much of the positive things people said. I, I got to live it out. And when we were at the funeral, I'm crying the whole time. And I couldn't stop thinking about this is what the inbreaking kingdom of God looks like. This is death. And death is opposed to God's plan. And we hate it. And there's no amount of nice things you can say that makes the family, like, I mean, they want to feel your love. But, like, they're hurting. They're in pain. But while we were there, we got to hear story after story of truly how this man was like Jesus and how he lived it out. And we got to, we got to laugh. And we got to cry and we got to enjoy him and all the ways that God had used him in this life in the midst of our pain. So it's that connection of the breaking in. It's here and yet, not yet. And I even said to Pastor Rick, and I was just bawling. I'm trying not to cry right now. I literally was like nothing good about this, his death, other than the fact that we all got to be witness to And be inspired today to say, yeah, I want to live a life like Andy where I'm following Jesus. And so, like, even though I said nothing good, obviously I'm pointing to a good. uh, Mm -hmm. But the death in and of itself is a pain that is not, like, that we have to be excited about. I think that's really good, Dan. I think that that is, that's what's missing in the conversation. Because you can do a thousand push-ups and your soul is still going to feel empty, you know. And so I feel like that's a big part of it. So let's connect that to the church um it's about community it's about relationships so we find that maybe we've we've set up well this is maybe what the culture looks like and what they're hungry for and what we want to point them to what role does the church play and i've been trying to keep these to like 30 minutes so we got nine minutes left (laughs) so um this is a huge question and we could do a whole nother podcast about it but whatever you see stats church is on the decline you know, there's so many things out there. We know at the same time, the church is still doing amazing things. Um, what is the state of the church in our culture? And how can it be connected to our culture in a healthy way?
1: Yeah, I think, um, man, I, there's a ton of way that we could answer this, right? But I'm, I'm trying to also connect it to just the last part of what we were talking about, the, the funeral, Annie McCamey. Um, when you think about the state of the church, I think there's a lifespan for every church. I think there's a local, local church with, with a lifespan. Now, whether that's five years, whether it's 150 years, we don't know, but there's a lifespan for every church. And I think it's not a bad practice for a church to say, Hey, let's, let's go ahead and write our obituary because we know there's going to be a day in which this local church might no longer be or it's going to look very different that we wouldn't recognize it and in that obituary i i know <clears throat> that if we wrote the obituary we would be looking to to write something that said and and these were the the churches that survived these were the churches that ex, that lingered these were this was the legacy that this church leaves on and that is <clears throat> i think i think the the role of the church is to reproduce and to make <clears throat> to make other, other churches, to create other churches, create other communities that would last, that would be a legacy that people could look back on and say, this is the church always moving forward, right? So even when one local church were to kind of diminish, there would be other churches that were planted that would last on. And I think that's where we're at in our culture that's where we are at right now as a community of faith is how do we take what we've had for so long and give it some legacy now that it would live on beyond ourselves right um people are not they are not engaged with church in the same degree that they were 30 40 years ago and it's not about trying to make the church more attractive to them it is about trying to make the faith live on and and be passed on to the coming generations and in the trust that it may the expression of that may look different, but the root of it will be the same. Hmm. And, uh, and so I think from my standpoint of what does community look like, um, I think it's going to be very wide open and it's going to be something as we move forward that it's going to be, um, we're going to see more of a committed, Uh, a defining of what a commitment to Christ really looks like. I think that's going to become clear. And I also think that we're going to see the expression of church look very, very diverse. Um, And in the end, I think the church needs to get to a point where we don't celebrate success or failure. What we celebrate is faithfulness. How is this faithful to who God has asked us to be and what he's asked us to do, regardless of whether or not it's deemed as a success or failure, were we faithful And at the end of the day, that's all that we can really ask for. At the end of the day, the Lord will look at us and say, well done, good and faithful. So is what we're doing as a church faithful to the message? And is it faithful that it would be something that would be able to be handed over and and passed on and reproduced?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So in that faithfulness is the... uh, one of the hearts of what church is about i mean paul talks about do not neglect assembling together um but even then it's not necessarily just at 10 p.m on a sunday right so it is about relationship and connection and doing like connecting in that way we have you and i've talked about this m and i are next door neighbors casey and k they are there are our closest friends, we live life with them. We took the fence down in between us, and he, Casey, came in here and a second ago and t- t- told you. That we'll three to four times a week we eat dinner together. Like we have built-in community, mm-hmm. and we're connected to the church just through them. But there's still like that we do. You don't want that to be it, but it's a recognition of like. And Em and I were just talking about it last night. How many people? Don't have any kind of connection outside their home or out, maybe besides people at work that they can truly lean on and connect with. I was just reading a book today by a psychologist saying most people don't talk about their feelings with anyone around them because they feel like they need to be strong for their family or they just, you know, they're not going to talk to a coworker about it. And so, so many people are walking around with with these feelings of maybe what we talked about earlier, like, man, why can't I find this joy and peace in my life but they don't know what to say or how to say it Mm -hmm. and so i feel like the the faithfulness of the church is the goal should be to be like hey this is this is where we can lean on each other whether that's 30 people inside of a house or that's a church with three thousand, and figuring out a way to connect and not just going to church you know to be entertained or to just hear some good worship music and a good sermon and laugh and whatever like it is so much deeper than that and i think that that's i think that's one of the things i'm hoping for like when you said the expressions are going to look different i want it to be more of like it doesn't have to be this formula three song set sermon see you next week you know and i think the key
1: to that is allowing for there to be freedom of expression without demonizing whatever other expressions exist you don't have to tear down the existence of 10 o'clock worship service or the, you know, three, three, uh, worship songs and a sermon. Like we don't have to eliminate that in order to also see the goodness that comes from new expressions. I think we need to embrace all of it and to say, let's celebrate anytime we see any expression of faith, any sign of life in the church, let's celebrate it to its fullness. And then let's begin to stir imagination for how people can participate in it. So I I don't think you have to choose one or the other.
0: Well, and that makes me think about when you look at the faithfulness of our church and let's say fruit, not success. Uh, We have kind of a multiplicity of formulas. And so we have our Sunday morning engagement. But then we also break out into Sunday School community group things, and right, those are smaller, and that gives you options to kind of be able to find those people. Like Ours is like 30, 40 people. We were already pretty close with everyone in there, um, but we've gotten closer since we've been a part of it, and we can enjoy the whole room and everybody talking and discussing, and then there's a handful that you can really get a little deeper, and, yeah. and so it's like that is, that's what's important, you right. know? And so, man, I think that's really good. All right, Dan. Well, we will wrap it up. I'm trying to think of a good last cue, and I think maybe it would be this. We're, we're we're in 2022. I cannot believe it's almost April already. What is a way that you want to finish the year strong? What is, and I didn't explain it in the beginning, but in the meantime, is in between point A and point B, right? And my goal and desire is to, to help people live healthy whole lives so we, we can build a healthy whole world. What's a plan B? or I'm sorry, a point B that you're aiming at right now? Because point B's so aren't I, bad. Where am I aiming at for the end of the year? Yeah, like where, where, what are you in the meantime of, of a certain point B?
1: Yeah, so in the meantime, what we're, we're trying to figure out is how do we create some of these new expressions? You know, one of the things that we're trying to figure out as a church is how do we help people become mobilized into mission, into service? And, um, and so the destination for us that we're hoping to see is can we create A new expression, or can we give life to some new expressions that are centered on mission and purpose and service? Um, and so we're my meantime right now is a lot of questions, a lot of stirring imagination, a lot of asking of what if, what if we did this, what if we did that? And what I'm realizing that comes in the meantime there is helping people not to be afraid to try Mm. and not to be afraid to fail. And that's my own thing that I have to wrestle with is, okay, in the meantime, how do I get to a point where I'm just not afraid to try something new? And if it fails, it fails. But at the end, we are faithful to do what God asks us to do. So that's my in the meantime right now.
0: That's awesome. That's good. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to let you lead us in that direction well thanks so much dude and um, it's always just really good to talk to you we've we've had so many conversations that uh, you know haven't been recorded and were incredible (laughs) but uh, anyway all right. well we are out of here thanks for listening well hey there it was I hope you enjoyed listening to Dan and I talk about uh, just living healthier when it comes to our relationship with God and with others and how we should look at the world if this encouraged you I would appreciate a share and you rating it and all that stuff because this is a journey of all of us working towards building healthier whole lives in the meantime. So with that being said, I hope you have a great weekend, a great week, wherever you're at in the middle of your week when you're listening to this, and I'll talk to you soon.